0: For more information on our product line, visit FullyLoadedChew.com. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And joining me on the show today, I've got Daniel Ewald from West Virginia. Now, he is a houndsman. He loves chasing after bears in the mountains of West Virginia. He loves bow hunting as well. So we're going to talk about a lot of different things in this episode. But I've been on a trip hunting with hounds before, and just recently actually Mount Outline. But from what I understand, it's a lot different than chasing after bears with hounds. So we're going to find out about that, find out the similarities, the differences, what it is that Daniel loves about it so much, and we're going to dive into whitetail hunting out there in West Virginia. So I can't wait for this one. It's going to be awesome. Let's jump in.
1: Like, he was doing things that were just badass.
0: That was one of the coolest moments of my life was really scared but knowing that Dan had the gun i did have the rifle like we would be okay all right guys welcome to today's show and today i'm joined by a guy named daniel ewald and i'm super pumped to have you on the show man thanks for being here
1: glad to be here man
0: so uh you're you're a hound hunter you're in west virginia and (laughs) I guess before we jump into what you're doing right now and and how you got into hound hunting, let's start back at the beginning. How did you get into just hunting the outdoors in general?
1: So my uh, dad, grandfather, uncles, all them big deer hunters, we I was born in Pennsylvania. We deer hunted up there. Of course, you know, we weren't allowed to, to uh, kill anything until I was like 12 up there. Um, But I was out in the woods. If they were the gift, they were going, I was with, them. I mean, they, you know, from, I don't even remember the first time they took me hunting. Um, but, you know, I was out there, watched them kill tons of deer, helped them, you know, drag deer, all that good stuff, you know, just, it was just part of my life. And um, so then whenever I was 11, we moved here to West Virginia, um, out in the middle of nowhere, backwoods, West Virginia, no cell phone service kind of when people, you know, like, People are like, oh yeah, back in you know, back in my day, you know, in the eighties, you know, we didn't have cell phones. We we talked on CB radios. I'm like, hey, that's the way I grew up. You <laughs> know, <laughs> and, um, but so we moved here when I was 11, and um, that next year, some guys, you know, hound hunting here is like the that's that's it's the lifestyle here. You know, every truck you see's got a dog box in the back, and everybody talked to's got hounds of coon hounds or bear hounds or whatever. And um, so. This guy was like, "Come on, you gotta go with this guy. You gotta go bear hunting." So he t- gets me and my dad, and, and we gotta go. And so my dad's like, "Look, just, just just ride along. You know, we we don't quite know what we're getting into. So just stay with me and just ride along, and you know, we'll see how this works out." So we go, and, we're, and we were at that time we were just kind of like what we call watchers. You know, guys just standing alongside the road, waiting bear across the road, or waiting from the tree one, you know, something. And um, so the guys with the hounds, we left them, went right around the corner. They left their truck, was walking in this up through the tall end into, a into mountain Laurel thicket. And um, I mean, they didn't, they didn't walk like 10 yards and hounds just blew up. I mean, just going crazy right there on the turn. So like, I hear this, this roar of these dogs and it, it was just, there were, I think they probably had like, I think 10 hounds between, between three of them. And um, it was just, I mean, just the roar of the, of the dogs and the bear was laying right there. Like he was, he was laying like 50 yards in front of us. And so the bear bumps up the hounds come through and a guy like i can basically see the dude the bear dives out the road and the dude shoots the bear like right there like this is my first 20 minutes of bear hunting <laughs> At that point forward i'm like th- this is it i'm hooked like you know this and so like for years i begged my dad I was like, come on dad let me, let me get let me get my own dogs let me get my own dogs and i was like no 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 well by the time i think i turned 17 16 or 17 got my first dogs had them for a few years they were you know, kind of trash, but I have a dog. I was glad for that. But, um, but yeah, from that point forward, it was just a slippery slope in the, into, into financial debt. <laughs> yeah.
0: Man, yeah. I can only imagine, like, m- most of my hunting sports involve me, right? So I've got to get yeah. my equipment. I've got to, you know, take care of myself. If I go on a hunting trip, I'll stop at a convenience store and get, you know, a slice of pizza or a donut if it's the morning. I can't imagine having to add the financial responsibility of a whole pack of hounds like that my wife would kill me uh,
1: and this and, and this you know any every every bear season it, it's like you know you have the expense through the year of keeping up the dogs vet bills and food and, and all that stuff and collars but then like every bear season it's like something something happens this year i had a dog get tore up by by a bear i had a um my ham radio like my, my side radio i was walking into a bear tree i had Uh, two of my dogs had split off and treat a bear. So I'm walking into it, went through each time to say something. Radio's gone. (laughs) It's just getting out of control.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you've got, how many, how many dogs are you running now? I'm running six right now. Okay. So you've got six dogs. Is there like a, a prime number for, for dogs? Like, do you want more than that? Do you want, do you run all six
1: of them at the same time? Um, most of the time I run all six of them. Um, I would like to have more, but my wife says no. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it, it, um, I, um, there's not really a prime number. I mean, you can, if you have dogs that are in shape, you know, I've, I know guys that have got two and three dogs and do just as good. Um, I like to keep, I like to keep somewhere around six or seven, just because that's, it's a decent amount of dogs you have. And when, you, if you have that many dogs then you can keep, you know, older dogs that are running real well and then have them staged down the puppies. So that way you never get to that point. I was listening to a guy the other day and he said, yeah, so every dog in my kennel is, is either in the nursing home or, or newborn. <laughs> <laughs> Anything right there in the middle. And so I, I try to keep dogs from, you know, my oldest dog is 10. And so he's, he's getting to the point to where he's, he's about, he's, he's about done hunting. And if if it's hot, he do not even, he won't even get out of the dog box. <laughs> but, um, but it, you know, then my you know, then I have dogs staged out from there, and I've having you know six and four, and then you know, my youngest one is, I think my youngest one is six months, I'm just now starting to work with her real good, and got a lot of high hopes for that dog.
0: Nice, that's awesome, man. I love, I love watching dogs work. I love there's something about a dog that ha- has a specific purpose, right? Like I get annoyed by the dogs that are just like house dogs and I, I probably shouldn't because I've had plenty of those but I like when they do something all my dogs that I've had in the past I would train them to like catch a frisbee or something you know like have some type of activity but once you get into the hunting world and you actually see dogs that are good at a purpose like bear hunting oh, yeah. or retrieving or dude I watch a video totally off subject I watched a video of a guy whose dog would catch lobsters I don't know if you've seen that. This no, I haven't seen dude, dude, look it up. This guy's cruising around, super clear water, but it's still probably like 10, 15 feet deep. And his dog's standing on the bow of his boat. And all of a sudden, uh-huh. the dog will just jump in, swim all the way to the bottom, grab a lobster, swim back up, and bring it to him. It's
1: crazy, it's- it's crazy things you see like that people can teach dogs to do. Oh, yeah. Like it's like and, you know, in each dog, like in the pack, has its own has its own purpose. So like I got I got one dog that's like extremely cold nose, and so like I'll if we get hit on old track or whatever, I'll, I'll put him out on him by himself and um, let him see you know. And if he starts working that track, then I have another older dog that I'll turn in with him. And like that dog, he he won't bark until you get the bear jumped. And so it's kind of nice because that other dog would be barking, and all of a sudden you hear the other dog chiming. like, oh, he's he's on his feet now. They're they're looking at him, <laughs> you know. So it's. It's, you know, it's, it's a, it's cool to watch like the packs of dogs and, you know, to be involved in all of that and watch how they work and hunt. And...
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Um, is it a specific breed of dog that you have or are they kind of, I, I find um, it with hound hunters a lot. They're like, Oh man, they're mutts. Like I, I get, yeah. I get some that are red tick, blue tick, uh, bloodhound. I, I don't even know all the names. I'm going to make myself sound like an idiot if I keep going. But, um, yeah, it sounds like you kind of try to get the best traits from each different hound breed and get them all into one dog.
1: I, uh, I, I don't, I'm a, I, I like, I like a plot dog. And then I like um red ticks. Those are, those are pretty good dogs. Um, but I do have, I do have a couple of blackened hands. Um, I do actually, I, the pup I got is actually a, uh, she's a bloodhound. Um, I actually got her mainly for my boy. My oldest boy is try, now, you know, he's just turned seven and he's starting to, get into it, wanting to, you know, he was begging, I want my own dog, I want my own dog, so I was like, well, and I found these bloodhound puppies, I was like, you know, they'll be a slow dog, a nice dog to, for him to start working with, but um, I, I'm more of a plot and red kick t- type of guy, nice. but um, one dog that I don't, that I've never had and probably will never own is a walker, and I'll catch a lot of heat for that, <laughs> <laughs> walker guys get a, little, get a little offended real easy. <laughs>
0: That's funny. I, I love seeing the division in different sports within the hunting community because like there's things that I'm like, I don't, I don't know anything about guys that run walkers or guys that run black and tans, you know, but to hear that there are certain stigmas associated with different types they, of
1: hunters. Good walkers out there, but I've seen some walkers that were some fine dogs, but I don't know. some about me and walkers just have never, never gotten along.
0: Yeah. Um, with, with bear hunting in West Virginia, what, I guess, what does that look like? Walk me through that process because uh, I just did my first ever big game hound hunt for mountain lions. Now, that was pretty slow moving. Like when we were in the vehicles, we were just creeping along looking for tracks on the side of the road. From my understanding with with bears, they smell so bad that the dogs will pick them up from the bed of the truck or up on top of the hood.
1: We do a lot of we do a lot of rigging, what what we call rigging. We have like racks on top of our dog box, and we put them up there and uh, time up. We do we do a lot of that, and uh, that's you know especially during the summertime. That's how we that's how we do a lot of our training. But um, yes, yeah, it's, it's kind of the, it's real. It'll be real slow for a minute. You'd just be creeping along the road. You know, the next thing you know, the whole truck blows up and dogs are. <laughs> jump out and throw dogs out on the road, you know, out and they hit the track and, and it's just on from there. And you never, you never, once those dogs hit the ground, you never know what's going to happen. Um, uh-huh. me, me and my buddy were hunting uh, last, late last summer and uh, the dogs rigged a track. And I had some, some of my younger dogs that I'm, that they're just starting to come on. And so I was really trying to run them a lot and get them out there. Well, I, there was a rig, but you know, from the sound of the dogs, you can kind of tell, you know, whether it's a fresh track, a hot track, it, you know, what, you know, you know, if it's, if it's a cold track, you know, you kind of tell. And uh, well, my one dog, this cold nose kind of, he, he's was the one that started rigging. So and my other dog didn't start. So I kind of was like, well, this isn't, this isn't a real, real fresh track. Well, I turned my, old, my, my cold nose dog out and he took off just running up the road, just wide open, just right up the road, which is, you know, less is happening, if the dog stays in the road, that's red flag. And I'm like, and I know the dog, and I'm like, man, this, why does it stop doing this? Well, he like runs up the road like a quarter of a mile and then just blows up and takes off up over the mountain. And um, so then I run up there and dumped my um, older dog out. And I was like, well, you know, let's figure out what they're doing. Well, I walked to the bed of the truck, to the back, the back of the truck, was gonna let a couple of my pups out, looked at my GPS, and they were like a thousand yards away, just getting. And um, they ended up treeing that bear within like 15 minutes they had him sitting in a tree Jeez. just a- and um so we i sat there and made sure the bear was going to sit or whatever and then me and my buddy were getting our stuff together getting ready to walk in at that point in time i think they were a little over a mile away and um we were getting ready to walk into them and then i just heard my one dog just pulling under mountain. looked at the gps and they were gone the next time i got track on them it was they were three miles to the closest place i could drive to them Jeez. and they kind of up in um uh, an area called Dolly sods, which is a wilderness national forest wilderness area. And it's just, it, it's straight up wilderness. <laughs> I would like horse through it. And uh, so it, and they went up into there and the circled back around and that we turned them off the truck. It, I think it was midnight. And I ended up catching them crossing the road again at almost eight o'clock the next morning. Oh my
0: gosh. <laughs> That's sounds-
1: so all night and just trying to keep up with where they were at and, Trying to get as close to him as we can and finally they come in across the road and uh, i pulled the dogs off of it and then a buddy of mine that i that, that, that he didn't realize it and he was going hunting that next morning and i pulled the dogs off the track he come through five minutes later and dumped his dogs on the same bear <laughs> <laughs> well i turned loose there at like nine at like at like 8 30 i was like well i caught my dogs off at a little bit after eight
0: <laughs> man that's <laughs> hilarious the It's cool to hear that there's a whole community or like you said, that's what that's what's hot in that area is bear hunting. And so like all the different houndsmen and I don't know if it's anything like mountain lion hunting, but it everybody seemed pretty friendly. Obviously, you know, you get the guys like this is kind of their area where they like to go. They get annoyed when they see other people back in there. But when I was in Utah, everybody was so cool, like sharing stories. Oh, man, I just got one over here last week or. Or, you know, I got one on last night or got on one last night, but never caught it. Um, I I like when there's tight-knit communities like that within the hunting uh, world.
1: It, like, opening day of bear season is, is a, it's it's like the biggest, they close school around here and everything. Like first week of December, like first couple days in December, there's no school. There's nothing like they, they just shut it down. Yeah. And uh, so like we have a gas station, a little convenient gas station up the road here. And like you pull in there at six o'clock in the morning. And it's just trucks and dogs and guys everywhere. Like there, there'll be there'll be almost a hundred people in that parking lot. Like just, and it's all from different groups. And you know, we all sit around talking, and, talk and, and uh, you know, it's we all kind of work together. Like we'll be there'll be a group. We'll cut a track, and uh, and then you know they will be running that bear, and we'll come across another track, and we'll be like, hey, we got one going. We'll holler at some other guys. Be like, if you don't have nothing on. Come over here and, and catch this track, you know. And you know, we all kind of we all kind of work together and try to. You know, we're all out there for the same reason, same purpose.
0: Geez, that's awesome. Um, what, what are the bears like there? I mean, what kind of size could someone expect if they wanted to go out to West Virginia and, and uh, hunt a bear?
1: Our average size bear is, is anywhere from about 100 to 130 pounds. Okay, we don't have a real big bear. Um, part of that reason is, is because, um, West Virginia allows you to run all year long, so you're allowed to train your dogs all year um i get some heat from some of the houndsman because i don't necessarily agree with that um i kind of wish that it used to be back in the day where you could only run i think it was i think it began in august and you could train up till december and then after then like january 1st you weren't allowed to train again till august which is which in my opinion i think it should still be that way because um it's hard for some guys that don't have time to, to hunt a lot Um, doesn't really affect me because I work for myself and I can take a day and go hunt whenever I feel like it, but, um, our bear getting so, such good shape that it's, it's getting to the point now where it's kind of hard to treat some bear sometimes. Um, especially if you don't have, you know, if you got dogs that you hunt every weekend and you got some dogs that are in, in real good shape, then you don't have a problem. But, you know, whenever I was working two different jobs and had a lot of time to hunt, I was kind of at a losing game, but, um, and then, uh, and then they, um, we had so many bear seasons, um like we had an early season that was in september and then this last uh year they put one in october and then we have the whole month of december to hunt and um and then you're then people are allowed to kill them during rifle deer season first week of rifle deer season and so like there was there was there's a lot and of course you're allowed to kill them with a bow all through bow season from you know um but this year they they did just recently put out a thing to where they're trying to eliminate some of those bear seasons and um that, you know, there's some people that are kind of upset about it. But um me personally, I, I'm I'm in agreement for it because if we keep hunting the way that we do, we keep hunting the bears the way that we do, you know, I got I got three boys and those dogs that are life. I mean they they get just as excited about hunting them as I do. And uh we were hunting, we were actually hunting one uh one day last summer and it was we were hunting at night. And uh you know we'll take all the kids and put them in the truck and you know at night and give them their blankets and you know and everything and, and just go and ride the roads. And uh, they were they were asleep. All three of them was out, and it was it was like a midnight, and they're all back there sleeping. Well, the dogs blew up on the back of the truck. My middle boy, he like comes out of a dead sleep, set straight up, and he's like, "What are we running? What are we running?" And he gets all excited, get him out of the truck, get him out of the truck. But, you know, he get he gets all wound up. But you know, if we keep going the way that, that we're going, it, you know, my boys may have dogs, but they're gonna they're gonna hunt days for a track. You know, if they if you have, you know if they find one, yeah. you know, it's we kind of have a we kind of have a nice spot right now. We have a farmers hate them you know the farmers are like i'll kill them all you know but um you know us as, as houndsmen, you know we're, we're at a nice spot because we can we have a decent amount of bear um we we can most of the time hit a track about every day we go out and there's some days you don't i mean if you have a dog that's hitting the track every time you hit the woods you've got a problem <laughs> <laughs> but um but you know we, we uh we we and we most of us would kind of like to keep it the way it is you know maybe maybe implement i, I would like to see him get a little stricter on, on the weight scale like here in west virginia you can kill a bear at 50 pounds like that's a legal bear wow and which is which in my opinion is, is crazy um i it used to be 100 pounds which was which was a lot better because that that forced you to treat more of those smaller bear and be able to get a better look at them yep and um you know, I would like to see him implement a rule more, you know, a little better weight scale to where we would actually have to treat more bear and get a better look at him and see, you know, the way it is now, a 50 pound bear by bears by December, that any bear out there is legal to kill, you know, it's, Jeez. and so it, it leads to a lot of, it leads to a lot of, you know, and a bear when it's running through the woods behind, like in front of dogs, it's hard to judge that bear. Like, you can't tell how big that bear is. And, um, you know, so a lot of times you shoot a bear and you're like, oh, man, should, should shot that one. <laughs> I mean, you know,
0: but. Do do the bears there, I mean, I know you said the bears that get run quite a bit, like they're used to it. They're athletic. They can go for a oh, long ways before getting up a tree. Um, are, they, are they pretty aggressive once you get them, like once the dogs get up close? I know when I went on that hunt, and I mean, I might reference that hunt quite a bit because that's the only experience I have. Uh, with running hounds but he's like man bears are always they seem to always be a lot more aggressive than mountain lions are
1: um we do you do get some some more aggressive bear where but where we have a lot of smaller bear we um you don't see we don't get into as many as aggressive bear as like some states that have bigger bear um like I i know some guys that go to maine a lot and um they get into some more aggressive bear now if we get like like a big bear like like, um, we hunt spruce knob a lot, which is the highest elevation in West Virginia. And it is, it's, it's a whole nother be down here in the valley. You know, you're in West Virginia, you get up there and it's like, it's like a whole different, <laughs> it's like you went to a whole different state. But, um, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of bigger bear up there just because of the reason of the terrain. And it's, it's hard hunting. And, and anymore, you have a lot of bear hunters that if they can't get their truck into it, they're not going to go. And, um, so you know the hunting pressure up there is not as strong. There there are some groups of guys that hunt up there. Um, the guys I hunt with we're not afraid to get out, and put some boots on the ground, and put some miles in. But um you know so we get in there. When you get into some some of the bigger bear, you get some more aggressive bear and get some. We had a we had one that, that in some you know but once we get those aggressive bear we we kind of everybody zeroes in on that one bear and tries to get him killed because you know we those are classified dog killers you know they yeah. once they put a bounty on their head but um but you know we had we had one that uh, we had one bear one day he wasn't tree went wouldn't tree he finally backed into a hole in the in a ledge and um, I think till we got the bear killed and got down in the hole I think we had four dogs that he had killed oh my I mean it's goodness. just yeah I mean some days you get in some we had one one year we were running um we raining. Two weeks before bear season started, me and my buddies, he crossed the road right here by my house. And so we, but no, actually that one, um, we were sitting here at my house. So like, I, we live like basically in the middle of the woods. We're sitting right here at my house, had the dogs on the truck, loaded up, ready to go. Well, all of a sudden the dogs just on the truck sitting here in my yard just blew up. And we're like, what are they barking about? And so we just went out, unsnapped them off the truck. Sure enough, there's a, there's a creek runs through my backyard, across the creek, Bear was right there. They took off with, with the bear, run him up over the hill, treating and uh, we were coming into the tree, and he come out. We watched him bail out, we go through the field, and um, cross the road. We finally got back, got around. We heard we heard a uh, fight going on, you know, taking place in the woods. But we couldn't get there quick enough to find out what was going on, and um, cross the road. He crossed the road. We caught the dogs off of him, and my one buddy's good start dog just wasn't there. We couldn't find her, and uh, got the tracking. And she was laying in the woods, so we went over to where she was at, and the bear just tore her up bad. I mean, just – he had he had hit her so hard, he broke the tracking collar off of her neck, and just – she had a cut from her forehead all the way down to the end of her nose, and she was just just laying there. We, like, we figured she was going to die. Took her took her to the vet, got her doctored up. She ended up recovering. Made – I mean, she was young when that happened. I mean, she made one of one of the best bear dogs I've ever hunted with. Dang. But um, after that, she just had that grit. She hated a bear after that. Yeah. But, but we ended up killing that bear the second or third day of bear season and man that pack of dogs put a whooping on that bear i mean he he was missing he had like freshly missing an eye and like half of his nose was like bloody and hanging off and still tore up and so it had to have been from that i mean because it was a bad fight like we, we heard it going on but it was just at a place that we just couldn't get too quick and Jeez. um so that, oh, they tore him up pretty good man
0: that is that's crazy. I mean, I can't imagine. Like, i've I've seen dogs fight each other. I can't imagine
1: dogs fighting a bear. That who? Right. Be- no, a lot of dogs are. You know, you get a lot of dogs. And they're kind of standoffish. You know, the bear starts grinding and they kind of back up. But you get some of those dogs that have a lot of grit in them, and those are the dogs that get killed though. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you start getting a bear, a dog with a lot of grit, and you, you don't. They don't hang around, but for a couple of years.
0: Dang, yeah, that's nuts. Is there is there like a is there a certain place that you want to go in bear hunt? Do you have like a, uh, a bucket list place to take your hounds and chase after bears?
1: Um, I, I don't know. It's kind of hard because we kind of have the, we kind of have for hound hunt. We kind of have a, have one of the best spots around. Yeah. Um, you know, I got some buddies to hunt in North Carolina. I think it'd be some, that'd be fun. You know, it's kind of some similar terrain. The mountains aren't quite as big, I don't believe, but, um, they have a lot more bear down there, a lot a lot more um they have some better quality bear than what we have here.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I <laughs> I guess I've never really fully put a lot of thought into eastern bear hunting, you know. Even in Wisconsin, it was a foreign concept to me. Like it was a deer hunting state. That's what you do. And then all of a sudden people started drawing bear tags and even my mom, she drew I think she drew two or three years in a row. And I'm like, "Dang." We can bear hunt in Wisconsin. This is amazing. I did just hear, I think it was yesterday or two days ago that Washington uh voted out the spring bear hunt there.
1: Yeah, yeah it's it's And that's one that's one of their most vital <clears throat> see regulating their bear.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I don't I mean, I see a lot of bills coming up left and right about, you know, them trying to cancel some of the hunting seasons, and hopefully, the hunters can all get together and you know get their voice out there. Whether it's sending letters to uh, congressmen and senators, and try to get some, try to try to get some of these seasons locked down to where they're not going anywhere. But I think it's going to be a constant fight for a long time to come. Um, yeah, that's
1: what they have a they have a bearhound season, and uh, I got some guys over there that that I know that have dogs, and they're, they're nothing's happened there yet. But, you know, the way the politics go in Virginia, they're they're concerned that, you know, it's not long until something happens. And uh, I said, what are you guys going to do? They said, well, they said, West Virginia is our insurance. They said, because ain't, they said there ain't nobody coming to West Virginia to take dog, take bear hunt away from those guys. <laughs> and I was like, well, I mean, you know, we, can, we have a lot of support. Our governor even has his own pack of dogs.
0: <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I've heard <laughs> so, I've heard plenty of people. They're like, well, if uh, if they outlaw it. I guess we're just doing it at night (laughs) 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 yeah it seems like once you're sold out on on hound hunting like it's not you you could never give it up you know
1: no it's i i sold out one time i i uh, decided i was gonna go to college and decided i was gonna go down that route in life and uh sold all my dogs sold tracking systems sold everything Sold. i mean uh, i think the only thing i had left was the dog box that was on my ford ranger and that's because it wasn't worth selling (laughs) but (laughs) But I sold everything, went to college, ended up meeting my wife out there, which is not – didn't come from hunting family at all. Um, so then we um, moved back. Well, then after we got married, moved back. And um, we were married, like, I don't know, two weeks. And I was like, hey, I was showed up at the house. And I was like, hey, we're – got her up to my buddy's house. She's like, for what? I was like, I, I bought a dog for you. And she was like, why? And she she knew nothing about hound hunting. And uh, so I was like, well, it's, it's a coon dog. And she was like, okay, Whatever. And, uh, so, so then we started, you know, started having to buy all my tracking stuff back and she's like, my goodness, she's like, how expensive is this stuff? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. I feel yeah. like, I feel like wives, uh, if, if they're not from a hunting family yeah. or a hunting community, it's, it's quite a shock when you get in a relationship with a hunter and she's just yeah. like, I thought season just ended. I'm like, well, yeah, waterfowl season just ended, but yeah. coyote season's still going or rabbit season's yeah. open.
1: It, it it kind of, I found your podcast actually. I was on TikTok and, and seen one of your wife's posts and like I started laughing because it was like exactly like my wife, you know, and, and so I sent it to her and then I realized you had a podcast. You know, and i listen like every episode now. But um, but yeah, it was funny she, you know, my wife, you know, cause she she was from Louisiana and wasn't really a city girl, but she was from a from a town, you know, not not really a city, but one definitely wasn't where I grew up at. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was it was funny because we met in August at college. And, uh, then like Thanksgiving it, here at like my family, that's, that's the one of the biggest holidays of the year because it's during deer season. It's, you know, the week of deer season is, is a huge, it's like a, it's like a whole holiday in itself the whole week. You know, my, my dad comes, my, you know, our, a bunch of our friends from Pennsylvania come up here and, you know, we all, it's like a huge, huge deal, you know, through, through the week, through the whole week. And so, we started dating and I was like, Hey, I was like, you got to come to my house for Thanksgiving. I was like, it's, it's a fun time. I was like, it, it's like, it's, it's, action the whole week. And I was like, plus you know, you'll get to meet my, my parents and all that stuff, you know, and you'll get to meet my family. And she's like, all right, all right. So she comes to my house for Thanksgiving. And of course I'd been out, the college I went to was in Quad Cities, Illinois it was out in Rock Island. So like I'd been out there all through the fall, like up, you know, through BOCES and all that stuff, like never, never got to hunt nothing. Like it was just, you know, I'm like, the redneck kid out in the middle of the, of college, you know, like build a squirrel or a rabbit out there with a slingshot or something one day on the campus, and I'm like in, out behind the dorm and they're skinning this rabbit, and this guy's like, man, what are, what are you doing with the rabbit? Like, what are you <laughs> doing? Eat it. And he was like, he's he, he just like shakes his head and he's like, I'm telling you, there's something wrong with you, and just walks in the building. <laughs> but you know, so, so I come home and like I so I bring my wife. She would never met any of my family before, and um. We walk in the house and I'm like, yeah, this is my sister. This is my other sister. This is my mom. Hope y'all get along because I'm going hunting. And I grabbed my rifle and left. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so so then like, you know, it's, hunting's, you know, it's it's like, and so my dad was a butcher. He was a professional butcher. So, you know, taking to a deer to a butcher shop around our house is like out of the picture. You know, it's just yeah. not happening. We process everything ourselves. And so we hunted that week and normally if it's cold enough, you know, we leave, leave all of our deer hanged. And then Friday evening, you know, that, that Friday evening, like after Thanksgiving and everything's over with, that's our, that's our butchering evening. You know, we sat down and put butcher all the deer we killed through the week. And, um, so I'm like, man, you know, I don't, I don't know how she's going to take this because my dad's like, you know, he brings like the whole carcass in, like he skins the deer, cuts legs off of it, brings the whole carcass in, lays it on the kitchen table <laughs> and you know, that way. And so I'm like, man, it's, she ain't never been around this before. I was like, she may be gone after this. And, uh, but Hey, you know, she, we started butchering deer and, Next thing I know, she had on an apron and had a knife in her hand and ready to go. And I'm like, hey, hey, I'll propose to her the next day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome, man. All right, guys, I need to take a quick second to tell you about a product that I've been using for quite a while now. It's called Bull Elk Beard Oil. If you've spent any amount of time in the outdoors, whether it's on the mountain, in the marsh, or in the woods, you've felt the effects of the wind, the sun, and the cold on your face. What this product does, it helps you look better, feel more confident, and it helps your beard keep its moisture. Not to mention it smells great. So now my wife can't complain as much after I come home from a long week of elk hunting. Now I need to tell you, I've gotten to know Brian the founder over the past couple months, and he is an awesome guy. Brian made sure that all of these oils are made out of clean products right here in the USA. He also loves to give back to the outdoor community, whether that's through fundraisers for public land acquisitions, or even helping donate money to cover the surgery cost of duck dogs. He's an amazing guy and he makes an amazing product. So go check out bullelkbeardoil.com and be sure to check out the subscription options so that you don't have to run out of your favorite facial hair product. Plus you can use the code nomadic and get 20% off your order. Yeah. When, when wives can get on board with something like that or your spouse or girlfriend or whoever, oh, yeah. you know, like my wife, my wife was a hip hop dancer. Like she, she did hip hop dance. I met her. She was, she would have like one sweatpant leg rolled up and high top <laughs> Nikes on. And, and she's like, We joke around. I'm like, man, I never thought I would marry this city girl hip hop dancer. And she's like, I never thought I'd marry some redneck that eats squirrels. And I'm like, (laughs) yep, but it's working out just fine. She's, she's starting to get into it. I don't know that she'll ever catch the hunting bug. Like, like I have, but she definitely enjoys like being a part of it here and there. So
1: my wife, I bought her a bow last year and uh, she's really, she's gotten into bow hunting a little bit. She likes rifle hunting she could, she could give a care less. She, she bear hunts basically just to be with me. She, yeah. if she did that again, she wouldn't, <laughs> <laughs> um, but she, she likes bow hunting. You know, we, we spend a lot of time, you know, it's kind of, we spend a lot of time out in the woods bow hunting and stuff like that together. She, she just really started enjoying that. Yeah. That's um, she, awesome. It was unfortunate. She got her, she got her, she, I took her out on um it was opening day and that evening, and she hit a six point little, it wasn't a very big, you know, but I told her, I said, look, you see a deer, you want it, you shoot, it. you know, it doesn't yeah. matter how big it is. And, uh, she hit it, but got it a little too far back. And, uh, man, I looked for that thing for two or three days and I just couldn't, couldn't come up with it. And, uh, so I don't, I don't know, I don't know where it went to, what happened, but I was pretty, she got pretty discouraged over that, you know, but.
0: Yeah, that's tough. I mean, it's tough. Even for me, I can't imagine being, being new to hunting and, shooting an animal and not recovering it like i'm i'm gosh 20 years into it now and i still if i shoot a duck and don't recover it like i get pretty tore up about it and you know i'm not like crying myself to sleep but like i hate knowing that i just caused that thing to die and it's sitting out there rotting or getting eaten by a raccoon or a coyote or something like that um so you're big into bow hunting so oh, yeah. Yeah. it sounds like your passions are bow hunting and bear hunting with or oh, running yeah. hounds for bears. And the the listeners can't see this, but on the wall behind you are like multiple multiple bows. I see a recurve bow fishing setup, a recurve with no string, a compound.
1: Yeah, and it, it, it's a and then that's an old uh, crossbow over there. That was oh, nice. actually my, um, I don't have the arms to it anymore. It somehow got. Yeah, well, it was actually like in the era of time he had it when it was illegal to own one, and so like I got it just all dismembered in pieces. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, I'll bow hunt. that. So my my dad and them were never my dad or my uncles, and my grandfather. None of them were were ever into bow hunting. Like my dad tried it a couple of times, and you don't have very much patience with things like that and so he missed like he missed several of them and was like i'm done i'm not doing this again sold bow, and uh so like growing up I, I just never as a kid i was never really introduced into bow hunting or things like that well then um i think i was 15 or 16 something like that um my uncle gave me an old bear like a really old bow it was like one of the, like a compound It's like a 70 pound draw with very little let off on yep. it like an old and uh so i took that bow and i mean i shot like all the time with that bow and um finally uh so I, I started hunting that year and um my first year bow hunting i missed i think like four deer just i didn't just missed them and uh and uh didn't kill anything my first year bow hunting. and so the next year I was like, I'm I'm going to kill something. I was like, you know, my first year I was kind of waiting, you know, let let some small deer walk by, but like that that second year I was so determined on killing a deer with my bow. I told my dad, I was like, I'm killing anything that walks by, and uh, so opening morning a deer came in, um, and I was actually there was a squirrel on a limb and I was aggravating the squirrel, and he's like chattering back at me and I'm like poking at him, and uh, <laughs> I don't know why he wouldn't run, but <laughs> and so then I turn and there's this deer like 10 yards from me right there and she's looking at me so blew that situation so that evening I go back out that evening and I'm sitting there and in comes this doe and two yearlings and come walking through and walked up 20 yards from me broadside pulled back stuck that deer and I always like I like bow hunting but when I when I Man, when I got that first deer, when I when that first let that that first arrow hit that first deer, I was I was hooked. Like oh, <laughs> like yeah. that was end of it. And um man, I I I shoot all like um, I try to shoot at least a couple rounds every day. You know, we you know I just got my uh seven year old son his first little bow and uh he's been out shooting with me and uh got my niece my niece is staying with us right now I got her her got her a bow got her, her first deer last year and um that's awesome you know, it's and our our opening day of of bow season here is, like, it we get geared up for it. <laughs> we take off work and everything for the first day of bow season.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I t- talk to people about that a lot, like taking off work to, to go for the start of a season. A lot of people don't understand that. And I'm like, it's not about necessarily having the best odds of getting something, but – it's the beginning. Like there's something about the opener. I don't know what it is. And everybody knows when that opener is, you know, like if you were to celebrate the, the beginning of the rut, well, the rut's going to be a different time every place. And so, um, getting together for the opener of stuff, man, I love it. What's funny is the only reason I, uh, I'm really bad with, I've got like really good long-term memory i'm good with memorization but when it comes to people's birthdays holy crap i can't i can't remember them to save my life well my daughter she was born on august 31st or sorry my son was born on august 31st and i'll never forget that because i know the next day is opening of dove season and (laughs) (laughs) my wife's like that is so bad that you like that's the only reason you remember when your son's (laughs) birthday is i'm like hey it worked out
1: yeah but yeah deer hunting here is like i don't like there's especially like in in my area we have we have like some good bucks around i got one that that i've hunted now for the past two years and he's just he taunts me but i think last year I, I mean i don't know for sure he was a 10 point probably would have scored somewhere in like 130 140 he's a decent decent yeah. good deer and uh but i mean and that's that's a, that's a you just don't see deer like that around here. And, um, our biggest problem around here is, is poachers. We have a horrible, horrible problem with poaching. And, um, so like, I mean, last year I had a, I had an eight point that was, you know, I, I zeroed in and be like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, that, that, you know, I'm going to target that deer this year. Yeah. And, um, I do a lot, I don't run a lot of trail cameras. I don't run, you know, I don't do like any baiting or anything like that. I hunt over a lot of natural, natural feed, um, natural watering sites. And then like, through the summertime we i do a lot of do a lot of boots on the ground scouting and um i have like a spot on the one like on the main place that we bow hunt it's kind of a hill and a field and you can you can pretty much well there's like fields over like all around this thicket and these deer kind of feed through this thicket and they come into in and out of it from all different angles it's it's like a hardwood stand in the middle of the thicket so they go in there to feed you know and um there's a pond in there and so it's, it's just kind of an ideal spot so we set up there at spot and scope and binoculars and and you know we can kind of we kind of have the deer pattern by the time yeah. bow season comes, what's going on, you know, just from spending time up there. But um, but our biggest problem, like I had this deer, and I'm like, you know, that that's the deer. I don't, don't want to kill that deer this year. And um, first day of bow season, um, he pulled the slip on me. He come through like right behind me, just just caught a glimpse of him. Just just not just easing through the woods, but just nowhere where I could get a shot at him. And, um, went through, I couldn't hunt. had to work the next two days. Um, come in that, that the next evening I could hunt and I seen buzzards flying and it was like 60 yards from my stand. I was like, man, what the world is that? So I walked over there and here somebody had shot it and cut the head off of it.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Like, man, you know, you know, it just, it's something that happens, it happens up here all the time. And it's just thankfully, here the past couple of years, we've kind of, we, our DNR has kind of stepped up, you know, but here, the, the, the reason why the problem got so bad is for years, the DNR just, they're, they're, they're totally understaffed here. Yeah. And, um, so, I mean, we, our whole county, we've got two DNRs to, to our whole county, two DNR officers. And, um, it's just, they, they can't keep up. And, um, plus you know, the, we had some DNR officers in here that just didn't do anything. Yeah. And so got a free reign and, um, kind of got out of hand. So, um, you know, you can't, they, 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 they were, we we were all raised with this concept of, you know, Vince Brown, it's down, you know, you just shoot anything and everything. Yeah. And so some of us now that we've gotten older and have learned, you know, the, the deal of conservation and, and, you know, how much it hurts to do that. You know, we've kind of stepped back and, and you know, it, it's been kind of hard as, as, you know, having that, training and it in your head and then just like sit there and you know watch a six point walk by <laughs> you know the first couple years was like man am i doing the right thing but, you know and then when you, you know when you get to the point where you start seeing you know more eight points and more decent sized deer you know you, we start we started realizing hey you know this is probably the right thing to do
0: yeah i i totally understand that it used to be when i was growing up hunting man if it came in I was pulling the trigger if it had antlers on it. Oh, that was even better. And you know, now that I've progressed in my hunting journey, uh, I've hunted different properties, properties with really nice bucks. I'm like, it's not so much that I have to shoot a certain size deer, but when I start getting deer on trail camera or seeing them out in the field feeding, it's, it's a lot harder for me to shoot something else knowing that he's out there waiting, you know, or like that I might get a shot at him. And so I uh, I don't know. I always go back and forth of what like my what my criteria, criteria is for a buck that I'm going to shoot. Some years I'm like, man, I want to shoot a four-and-a-half-year-old buck. Some years it's a certain buck. And a lot of times what it comes down to is I'm like, man, if I really get pumped up about a deer when it comes in, everything else goes out the window. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, try to harvest that deer. The problem is I still get giddy about every deer that walks in. Like when I hear a crunch or I see one, I, this last year, I had a really bad spell where I was in my stand and I would, I went like several days without seeing a deer. And I looked over at one point and there's a deer on the neighbor's property at like 350 yards and I could already feel my heart start racing. I'm like, there, there's no way that deer's coming all the way to me. We can hear your heartbeat. <laughs> yep. Every time, man. Every time. And so, yeah, I can't. I can never go off of the like. If I get excited, I'm going to shoot it because then I would shoot literally everything that yeah. walks in front of me.
1: Yeah. I uh, this last year I had that ten point, and I was, I was, man, I was dead set on that deer, and um. I kind of had him start getting patterned down and I had a lock one stand at a pond and I kept seeing him come into this field, which was like 60 yards away. And, um, I, I kind of live by the rule. If it's not any closer than 30 yards, I'm just not going to shoot it because, you know, um, I don't want to wound a deer and have to run around looking for it. Not that I couldn't, but you know, I just don't, you know, just kind of my rule of life and, um, so I have a, I have a climber stand. So like, I was like, Oh, I'm going to get my climber and I'm going to move into the corner of that field kind of where he's been at and, and, you know, hunt that spot. So I got my climber moved over there and like that next evening, I get in the stand and it was probably the most perfect conditions. It was like the perfect temperature. It was sunny outside. It had a, like a little breeze blowing. There was deer everywhere. I was sitting in my stand and I had, probably within a 50 yard radius. I think I counted that, that evening I had like 15 does in this field Jeez. and in this hardwood by the pond, just like all around me. Like the closest one to me was like, was like 10 yards from me standing at the stand. And, um and I, I don't know our does kind of where we hunt, I guess, because like, especially during the summer and, and during bow season, we're in there so much and we don't shoot bows during those or does during bow season. Like we just, and uh, so our does kind of get to the point to where they just kind of get, sort of get used to us. And of course, the, you know, it's on a farm. So people are in and out of there all the time. And so I had, so I can, with all these does around me, like I can kind of move around in my stand a little bit and they don't, they don't really spook. They'll look at me, maybe one of them will stomp at me or whatever, but not, not like, you know, get carried away. You know, it's, yeah. you know, people taking care of the cows on the farm all the time. So, you know, four trucks, whatever, just don't bother. Them. And uh, so I'm sitting there, I mean, conditions are perfect and i'm like there it was right getting under the last half hour of daylight, right about the time that buck would start coming in and all these days i'm like he's, he's got to come in this evening like this is I, I can feel it this is the evening you know everything's perfect it was right like right on the edge of rut starting and so it was just like and out of nowhere like i hear this crack and this tree right in front of me just falls over and oh, the, no. like it just blew the whole hunt <laughs> like i'm like you know this this This, you know, could have been the hunt, you know, this, this could have been the hunt of the, of the year. And it just, you know, this tree falls over, kills the whole thing.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. That sucks. That it's crazy that the deer there, you know, like you said, you could have 15 in front of you and they don't really pay much attention. What, uh, Andy said you guys don't shoot does during bow season. What is, what's the reason behind that?
1: Just, we, you know, our, our bow season, that's, that's, that's our buck hunting time. When it comes to rifle season and all my family's here, you know, that's kind of when, when it's like, you know, get the meat for the year. Yeah. You know, we, we, uh, have a farm that we kind of hunt on. We call it the, we call it the meat farm. <laughs> and so but that's, that's the, there's a lot of, there's a lot of know, poaching and stuff goes on in that place. So to try to try to get a good buck off of there, it's just kind of impossible. Yeah. And so, you know, there do some drives and just kill some deer. Um, but we just—it's not that we won't. Every now and then, you know, if, if I, you know, every now and then if good doe comes by or run low on meat or whatever, I'll stick one. But for the most part, we, we, we try to just try to take our bow hunt and buck hunt. You know, nice. it's the time we because doe, rifle season here—it's it, it's like the orange army. There's just guys yep. everywhere, and so it, like if you're gonna wait till rifle season to try to kill a buck, you're just not gonna do it. Yeah. Or, you know, they're, they're just, you know, like I had a six point that I've been watching all both season could have killed it several times. Just like opening day of rifle season, like 20 minutes in this dude just shoots it. Like, it's just a little tiny, like two year old six point. I'm like, you know, whatever, you know, if it made you happy, that's fine. But yeah,
0: (laughs) no, I, we, we have, we have plenty of people like that. And even, you know, some of the people that I hunt with, they'll shoot, they'll shoot anything that comes in. And other people get upset with them like, dude, I've had that deer has walked by me a hundred times this season and you just shot it the first time you were out rifle yeah. hunting. And I tell my, my stance on it is shoot what makes you happy. But if you are on a property where there's a consensus between everybody, like, hey, this is what we're expecting to shoot. Like we're only shooting, you know whether it's an antler size, like eight points or bigger, or if it's a, uh, age structure, like, Hey, we want three and a half, four and a half year old deer or better. That's when you, I feel like people need to just buy in to the plan that everybody else has set up. Otherwise, you know, if you're just out hunting, if you're out on public land and you want to shoot a spike that comes in, go for it. If it's legal, absolutely do what makes you happy.
1: We, we do have we do have some some nice deer that come out of here, that come out of West Virginia. We got some, we got some good deer. I mean, of course, like down south of the state, we got those bow hunting only units, and those, they grow some monsters down there. Yeah. um But we have to work for them. You know, most guys are not going to get out there and put the work in for them. But you can get back in some of these, you know, we got some places that are, you know, public land. Um, some of them are, they're kind of landlocked, and they're just way back on the mountain. No road access, nothing. So if you have if you have the the opportunity to, to get access, you know, to, e- to either cross through that property or hunt access on one of those properties that borders that, you know, some of the guys will be like, Hey, you know, you can, you can cross my property to get there, you know? Yeah. And, um, so, you know, we can, if you get onto those places and you get into some of those landlocked areas, man, it's just, there's some, there's some guy there's some guys pull some monsters out of those places. Yeah. And, um, my my goal for this next year is to, is to start branching out the past couple of years. I kind of hunted just close because I worked two, two jobs. I worked on the, I worked for an ambulance company. And then I worked construction for myself. And um, so I didn't have a lot of time. So I just kind of like, if I go make a quick evening hunt, but now I work, now I work strictly for myself. And so kind of my goal to get out into those, some of those more, more far out places and, and try to hunt some bigger deer. But, um, but yeah, it's, yeah. Um what a, what
0: equipment are you using? I see I I keep as you're talking, I keep seeing all the bows behind you and I'm like there's a progression that seems to be reversed from most things. <laughs> like some people will get into into crossbow hunting, then go to compound, then go to recurve. What what equipment do you use?
1: Um I use I have a uh, Bowtech Instigator which is not I mean it's not really a, a high dollar bow, but it it gets the job done. Yeah. <laughs> Killed several deer with it. Um, rifle hunting, I have a Winchester Model seventy thirty out six. That's my. I mean, I, you know I've got several hunting rifles, but that's my go to. Nice. But uh, I have the I have the the bowtech instigator. Um, the, reason, the only reason why I got, I got it on a good deal, and I kind of needed a bow like right at that moment. It was like right at bow season, and my other bow, like something happened to it, a, a limb or something messed up on it. So I like, had this. So I just grabbed this bow for somebody had it. Once it's for sale for like 200 bucks or something like that. So I bought it because it was like a couple of days before bow season and I took it out and shot it, but Hey, I've, I've hunted with it for several years. I love it. I've killed, I've killed some deer with it. And it's it seems like, I think this next year I'm going to upgrade though for something different.
0: Yeah. No, I, I think the equipment is great, but if you get good with equipment, like anything that's been made in the yeah. past, even 15 years, it's, yeah. it's pretty close to anything else on the market. Like, the, the let off is going to be within 10 to 15%. The poundage is going to be able to be almost exactly the same. Uh, the speed of the bow might be, you know, anywhere from 15 to 30, 30 feet per second slower, depending on how old it is. But for the most part, everything's pretty close. Oh, yeah. As long as you get good with it, as long as you're comfortable with it, it can get the job done.
1: Oh, yeah. I, Whenever I went to college, we went out there, we were all going to There were some guys out there that hunted. They weren't. They weren't like avid hunters, but they, you know, hunted a few days a year or whatever. So they're like, hey, you know, we're all gonna get down to bow range. You wanna go? And I'm like, sure, I'd take my bow out there with me. At that time, I still had that old, that old bear. And um, I was still hunting with it. And so we got down the bow range. Of course, they're pulling out their their Hoyts and Matthews and you know, all their, you know, their good bows. And uh I pull out this old bear out of a bow case, and they're like they all like, start laughing. They're like, Man, Daniel, they're like, as much as you hunt, you don't think you can get a better bow than that? I'm like, eh, maybe one day. And so we start shooting and these guys are holding, they're holding decent groups, but not, you know, not like I like to see, you know, for myself at least. Yeah. And, uh, but I pulled a bow. We're, we're shooting at 20 yards in the bow range. And I just like, I throwed two arrows, like, or I, I think it was four, like just touching each other right in the center of the target. Yeah. And another word about my old bow again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. That's what people need to understand. Your odds are you can't outshoot your bow. Like there's yeah. very few people who are technically sound enough to where, the equipment just can't keep up with them. It's normally yeah. the other way around, and people are like, "Oh man, if I get the newest bow out there, I'm, it's going to make me a better shot." Yeah. Well, not I got necessarily. A, if you've got bad fundamentals, you're not going to be good with that either.
1: Yeah, I got a buddy that he he hunts strictly the recurve bow, and uh, we can be we'll be shooting at thirty yards, and he can shoot better than I can without sights. And I'm, I'm, man, you know, I wish I I wish I had that that capability, but.
0: I, I like the idea of recurve bows. I don't know that I would ever switch. I love compound bow shooting and I like shooting far. Like I got into just target practicing. I'll never take a shot at a deer at a hundred yards, but shooting, shooting an arrow and watching that thing fly through the air and then drop into the target or like I'll set my, my phone up on my binos on a tripod with the phone scope, and I'll just video it, and just watch that lighted knock fly out there and stick.
1: I don't know why I, I think it's so cool, but I love it. I haven't done any long distance shooting. I thought about getting into it a few times, but just never have taken that step to to do that. I shoot normally. I normally like I'll, I'll practice. I practice it. Um, I think the farthest I'll practice that's it, like forty yards because I'm I like to get zeroed in farther than what I shoot when I hunt because that because if I can hit. If I can hit a heart size, something at 40, then I know I can at, at 20 and 10, you know?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do it. I mean, I do it strictly for fun. I'm hoping uh, that, that it also helps me be a better shot at closer distances. But I just, there's something about it, man. I was on a hog hunt down in Texas, and I brought my bow and my target just to shoot while I was down there, like, in the middle of the day. And I set the target up out at, like, 80 yards. And – I'm like, I, I'm not even super concerned with the grouping at that distance. I probably should be a little bit more, but just watching it fly, man, I I tell everybody, I'm like, just try it, try it a couple times. Once you hit a target at a hundred yards with your bow, you're going to want to push it farther and farther and farther. But even though ammo is expensive, it's not as expensive as bows and, and fletchings and knocks and everything, or I mean, arrows.
1: Yeah, that's what I got. I got my niece and my and my son and all them like learning how to shoot. And so it, it's been hurting the wallet here lately. They're out there <laughs> learning to shoot. They come in and be like, I lost an arrow. And I'm like, okay, I guess let's we'll go back to the bow shop. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep. What a uh, what kind of size do you guys have for deer? I know you had mentioned some of the antlers and stuff, uh, body size. What what weight are you looking at out there?
1: Um we have, I mean, doe wise, like your average decent sized doe is, I mean, one hundred and ten pounds, or about hundred pounds, something like that, you know. And then bucks, oh, I've, I've, it just depends. I mean, you know, it depends a lot of a lot of the terrain. It depends on where you kill them at, because like you get into the rock, get into the rock bars and in the Mount Laurel, you're you're going to be shooting a lot of like 170, 200 seventy, two hundred pound deer. Damn. I mean, because they they and they're it's not some they just they they muscle up. In those areas so much that it's just, but the biggest thing is like those big deer like that you just, you can't eat them like when they're in the Mount Laurel on the rocks like you like you grind it in a hamburger and you still chew on it for an hour. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> but um, I mean it's like I've I've literally taken some of the big mountain deer that I've killed and just I mean literally ground the tenderloin because you couldn't you couldn't eat it if you fried it up. It just didn't, you can't eat it unless you tenderize it like crazy but you know down here like if you're in the valley you're down here in holland stuff hunting then um you know your are normal size deer is anywhere from 120 to 150 pounds
0: okay nice yeah so that's not uh, it's interesting to see the size difference all around the country you know like you see yeah. them certain places and i'm like i would have never guessed that they were that big there and then you see them other places like man down in texas Seeing how big of deer get shot in Texas, like rack wise, right. part of me is like, but was it really that big or did it just look that big because of how small the bodies are there? Dude, they have tiny bodies down yeah. in Texas, and I'm sure there's plenty of other places like that. Uh, the, yeah, other, I... the other thing that blew my mind was uh, the blacktail deer in Alaska. Mm-hmm. Dude, they're like a goat, man. I mean, they really yep. are. They're just tiny. They're short legged. uh, they're not afraid of people for some reason. Maybe it was just where I hunted, but we had so many deer that would just stand there and look at us as we were hiking up the
1: trail. I do some hunting down in Louisiana, which is where my wife from. My wife is from, so you know we take a family trip go to go to my in laws' house, and I'm always packing a gun and a bow. And <laughs> I got I got a, some property down there that one of our friends owned, and, and uh, it's, I mean it's probably probably one of the best bow hunting places I've ever owned. Like or that, not owned, but that I've hunted at. And um, I mean it's like there's like timber companies all around it, so it's all pine trees. Yeah. And then his like personal owned piece of property is nothing but hardwood. So the the amount of deer that come in and out of that place in like in a morning time. I think one morning I sat there and when I'm hunting there, like I strictly hunt for for good bucks. Yeah. And and so I mean, I, I sat there, I sat there and counted like I think the one morning I counted 32 deer come by me one morning, Jeez. like just move and I'm like. I mean, it's just and and it, it's kind of hard. It's hard to hunt there because, like, if a good buck comes in, you're you're getting ready to draw back, and next thing you know, you got a doe behind you snorting, and it just blows the whole hunt because like there's so many deer, you can't really do anything without getting spotted. Without, you know, it's just I had a I had a, uh, I was down there had an old deer. It was you could just tell he was he was a nine point had just heavy mass. You know, had you know just real gray looking kind of you know, walked with his head kind of hung was you just tell him he was, he was an older deer yeah and he come, come right in about 30 yards just skirting around me and i had a doe standing right there staring at me and he i just literally sat there and watched him walk away because there was just no way i was possibly taking a shot
0: yeah man i i want to travel out east and hunt i mean west virginia i've talked to people from south carolina north carolina kentucky and to hear some of the stories and the different terrain. I that's that's one of my favorite things is hunting different types of terrain. Like I really want to hunt a big marsh wetland area for whitetails like get up in a in a tower blind or something like that. But then hearing about like even the big rock formations and stuff where you're at. That would be that We be we so live awesome.
1: really in a really rough part of the state. We live like we live right we were only about an hour and a half from Virginia, from the Virginia line. And um, there's like the alley where I live, like on the Allegheny Mountain range. So it's, it's like we have um, the biggest rock formation on the East Coast, just right down the road here. And people come from all over the world to climb it, Dang. to rock climb. And um, so we live in like a, we live in a really, really rough area. I mean, it's just, there's rocks and, and some of the places on the mountains you get into, it's just, it's almost impossible to walk through. I mean, it's just, it's, it's pretty. It's pretty it's neat, though. Like it's and, it, and it's it's crazy because like we'll be like down here in, in the in the hollow. Like it's you'll be down here in the hollow, but then you get up, um, like on Dolly Sods, which is which is a national wilderness area. I, know I already I already mentioned it, but you get on top of that place and it's flat and it looks it. You would think you were in Canada. Like it's pine trees and berry bushes, and it's Man. just flat, flows. and like all the trees, the the limbs grow on one side and it's um i mean it's which is which is really good bear habitat i mean the, the bear hunting up there last year on the first day of bear season up there they were they we had a guy holler at us we were down here in hollow on a bear track and a guy hollered at us from up there and was like dude we got so many bear tracks up here we don't have enough dogs they're like you want to bring some dogs up here and put on this bear <laughs> and we were like well we would but you know we're already on one
0: but yeah you know dude that's yeah, awesome the uh yeah it sounds like you got a pretty good setup there between deer hunting and bear hunting um i want to give you a chance it gosh every time man i say this an hour flies by when you're talking to somebody about hunting um but i want to give you a chance to share with people where where they can follow you uh where they can see what you're up to or if you have videos out of of you chasing after bears
1: most of everything i post um, hunting wise is on go wild nice um most of everything I, I got on there last year. And, uh, so I post a lot of my hunting stuff and go wild. Um, posted a first little video on TikTok the other day. Not really. Um, I'm not really much in social media, every, all my other, my Instagram, um, is mountain man woodworking, but unless you want to look at a bunch of construction stuff, <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's done Daniel Lee wild on go wild is where I've posted most of my dog hunting videos and, and pictures and stuff like that.
0: Nice. That's awesome. Um, one last question if you could if you could hunt anywhere for anything with any weapon, what would it be um at this point I'd
1: probably go out west and run cats with dogs and run some lions that's that's my next adventure in hunts
0: nice well uh we might have to talk off air and try to get something like that set up this fall we can do that thanks man i I definitely appreciate you hopping on and uh let's stay in touch. All right. Yes. Yes, sir. And that is going to wrap it up for this episode of the podcast, man. I had a ton of fun chatting with Daniel and I look forward to hunting with him in the future, whether that's out West after mountain lion or out East for bears. I think either one would be awesome. And the problem is now that I've looked stuff up on my phone for hound hunting or, or like chasing after anything with hounds, Things pop up all the time on social media, which makes me want to do it even more. And so I look forward to it. I think it's going to be something I do every year in one state or another for one species or another. I just, I had a ton of fun the first time. I'm hoping to have even more fun in the future experiences with it. So. Good luck to Daniel and uh, all the animals he's going to be chasing after this year. It was cool. I love hearing about different terrains, different types of, uh, or different states for hunting, and kind of what the culture is there as far as hunting goes. But I've got to let you know I'm going to be heading back down to Texas. I got invited through my buddy Cody Mills and Rogue Texan Outfitters to go down to Texas and do a helicopter hog hunt. And I cannot wait. So the only communication I really had at first was with Cody and he was sharing some details. And I was like, hey, you know, what type of gun do I need to bring? I was thinking maybe I'd bring my shotgun with some buckshot. And he's like, dude, five, five, six, two, two, three, you know, just bring an AR, whatever. So I, I go online, start looking, start figuring out the build that I want to do. I end up buying an AR getting a bunch of different, uh, accessories and equipment and attachments for it. I got a brass catcher. I got an awesome red dot scope from Vortex. Um, dude, I freaking love that thing. I haven't even shot this yet. I actually just finished it. Um, but a little while later after I purchased it, after I got a bunch of mags and and ammo, I, I got a call from one of the owners at Rogue Texan Outfitters and I was just chatting, getting more details from him and, you know, hearing he was sharing with me that the weekend before they had killed like 183 pigs in six hours. I was like, holy crap. He's like, yeah, typically it's between 30 and 40 an hour that we can get on. And I'm getting super pumped. I'm like, sweet, this is the equipment I have. How many rounds do I need to bring? He's like, oh, no, man, all the ammo and the guns are are provided like we've got them for you. Oh man, you should have seen the look on my wife's face when I explained to her that I just got this AR and all the accessories and the ammo and mags, and it's already provided for me. And she looks at me, I'm like, I mean, if I have to take it back, I will. And she goes, don't play stupid. We both know you're not taking it back. Anyways, totally unrelated to anything that this podcast was about, but I am definitely excited to get down there and hunt with Cody and the Rogue Texan Outfitter crew. So I'm excited. I hope you guys are excited for the upcoming seasons. Like I said, there's a lot coming up now. I mean, we've got turkey season coming up. Shed hunting is going on. Getting food plots prepped and planted is going to be a big deal here in the next couple months. So hopefully you guys are getting out and enjoying all of that. But until next time, always choose adventure, and God bless.